Football on Off The Ball With Sky Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, Scottish Premiership and much more Live on Sky Sports Now you're very welcome back Happy to say Jonathan Wilson joins us to pick at the carcass of Liverpool 7 Manchester United Neil, Jonathan, you're very welcome Cheers, thank you, how are you? Is this a Liverpool story or a Manchester United story is one of the uh, discussion, uh, discussion points today. We started talking Manchester United and, and Liverpool fan, fans were quick to point out that was the wrong side of the story. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's obviously both. Having said that, I, I, my suspicion would be that uh, it's a result that in the long term will mean more to Liverpool. Yeah, I think United probably will will get over this. Um they they probably will be able to write it up as a freak result. Um, you know they've, they've had a couple of heavy beatings already this season: the six three against City, the four 0 against Brentford, and they were able to put them behind them pretty quickly. I think you can look further back and say Ferguson United took some really heavy beatings. You know you think of conceding six at Southampton, conceding five at Newcastle, uh, the six one defeat to Manchester City. Um, so as, as long as their results in the next three or four weeks uh, are reasonable. I think they can say that there's obviously a lot went wrong in that second half, but fundamentally they actually were were in the game till half time, arguably the better side even in the first half, and then fell apart. And I think you can look at the attitude of certain players in the second half, and you look at certain structural things that went wrong. But I, I would assume that they'll come back from that and say it was fundamentally down to accumulated fatigue, both physical and emotional, coming off the back of that Barcelona game and the League Cup final. Um, whereas Liverpool. I, I I didn't see this coming at all, um, and and all those doubts we had about whether Klopp was coming to the end, whether he had the energy to to to, to start building a, a second great side. I think I mean they're, they're not put to bed by one game, but the dynamic of that debate has definitely shifted, and there's a lot more possibility there. And even if they sort of you know, stutter in towards the end of the season, even even if they don't get fourth this will be the season when they beat Manchester United 7-0. So they, they, they've got something to hold on to this season and it looked like this could be a, a completely flat season for them. I know you were there. What jumped out about the Liverpool performance in that second half? Um, I mean, to, to be honest, what jumped out was, was how bad Manchester United were once Liverpool had got ahead. But equally, Liverpool were ruthless in taking their chances. Um, I think they, they only had eight shots on target and then scored seven of them. Yeah. So it was, it, I mean, I, I'm trying to avoid the word freakish because I know Gary Neville used it a lot on Sky. Um, but it, it, I don't think it was, um, I don't think it was a, a, a seven-goal thrashing in the way that Germany beating Brazil in, in 2014 was a, a 7-1 thrashing. Uh, I don't think the gulf between the sides was that huge. It was this sort of... Um, this sort of hilarious ruthlessness that suddenly for half an hour, each of those three forwards, then the substitutes when they came on, whatever the hit went in. And you could almost see the the, the sort of the 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 hilarity and the glee that the, they, they they understood that they were just having one of those afternoons where everything was going right. But I, I think there had been a lot of questions as to whether that front three could work together. And you, you can see absolutely it, it, it definitely can. Um I, I'd been very sceptical as to whether you, you could play Gakpo and Nunez and Salah. I was very concerned about whether Salah was as effective when he's sort of forced to play wider, when you, you have a, a more orthodox centre-forward, not somebody dropping deep in the way that Firmino or, or, or Jota did. And I'd sort of assumed they were just waiting for Jota to get fit 
so they could bring bring Jota in. Uh, well, that now doesn't appear to be the case. That Salah was the best player on the pitch and, and looked very happy playing that slightly wider role and was effective scoring scoring twice. Um, Gakpo had a pretty difficult start, I think, to life at Liverpool. Um, there were questions about, you know, have they just signed him because he was available at a, at a reasonable price or do they actually have a plan for him? I think he, he's a player who isn't quite the player he looks like he is. You know, he, he, because of his height, you assume he's going to be good in the air. And he's not terrible in the air, but I don't think he's as good in the air as he appears he ought to be. But he is much better technically. And I, I think starting to work that out the last sort of three or four weeks, I mean, he scored each of his last four games now, hasn't he? And Nunez, I think, is, is a player who's going to continue to frustrate people because he he does miss chances, but he does get a lot of chances. And when the ball's in the air, when he can head it, when he can volley it, he, he's he's very very good. Where he has problems is when the when the when the ball's on the ground. But if you think you've got Luis Diaz to come back into that as well, suddenly you can see the shape of the, of the forward line for the future. I still think there's a lot of work to be done in the midfield. I've now got concerns about the defence that I wouldn't have thought I'd had. I'd have had if you'd asked me a year ago. But then again, the defence may sort itself out as the midfield gets sorted out. That um, yeah, we know Trent Alexander Arnold interprets the fullback in a particular way and that's a way that needs support and I, I, he hasn't had that this season so, so his shortcomings have been exposed but if they get the midfield sorted they get the structure sorted then he can go back to being that incredibly dangerous presence on, on the right and if the fact he's not the greatest one-on-one defender will will we'll go back to being unimportant as it was last season mm. uh, For Gakpo in particular it felt like an arrival and there was something very uh, striking and memorable about his celebration of his second goal and Liverpool's third, like a hint of uh, composure about it, almost arrogance. I'm not even going to smile here. I've just taken Manchester United apart and it's the most gorgeous, assured finish. And his movement when Fred steps out of touchline and he he initiates, I mean, he for, he, he, there's, a, there's a, a, a telepathic moment with him and Robertson. So that's very encouraging. Uh, uh, that feels like almost, and, and we're well into the season now, that feels like his arrival quite late on, but a very important one and uh, the kind of thing that you'd say is repeatable. Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, you're right. The, the His second goal, the third, was probably aesthetically the the more pleasing goal. But that, that first one, the fact he stayed wide, he forced the error from Fred. I'm not quite sure where Dalit had got himself to in that move. That Fred was sort of forced to cover and clearly was reluctant to get too wide, which is what opens the space for Robertson to play that pass through. But but that understanding is clearly there. So, I mean, Klopp had spoken, uh, even before the game, he said he'd start to see things in training, things starting to click. Yeah. And I, I wonder if that's one of those things of, of and I guess you're a fullback and his, his winger, and winger feels like the wrong word, the fullback is his wide forward. They, they have to strike up that understanding. Uh, Robertson, I thought, had the best game, certainly the best game I've seen have this, have this season. Um and, and uh, yeah, maybe maybe he benefited from having had the the, the break with Simicast playing the previous game, um, but yeah, that, that 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 pass and then the the way the Gakpo took it, yeah, the first touch was perfect. The first touch uh, takes Varane out of the game and opens up the the space for that shot into the bottom corner, uh, and and you know, De Gea is like, you know, doesn't even die for it. He knows he can't get there, and that's basically two touches from the pass. And then yeah, his second yeah brilliant run from Salah. And the perfect weight of pass, and, and then, yeah, really smart, deft finish. Um, so yeah, not just two goals, but two two really good finishes, but also the two really good bits of movement to create the opportunity for the pass that leads to the finish. So I think that the, there are real signs there that that front three 
is beginning to click. Mm. I, I don't want to click with the, with the fullbacks. Jerry, I kind of dismissed you last week. Put my hands up now, and I'm not saying I'm infallible the way Owen used to say it. Apology accepted. And I was like, there's no fear here. No. Teams don't fear Dublin anymore. Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Eric Tenag was unsparing after the game of his own side. He said, second half, we gave two goals away at the start, but then there was no team anymore. We didn't stick to the plan. There were 11 individuals. It's really bad. I've given my opinion to the players. It was unprofessional. You have to stick together as a team. We didn't do that. There was no discipline. You can have setbacks, but you have to stick together and do your job. Uh, is Bruno Fernandes' captaincy tenable? Um, I think that's a very good question. Um, I mean, he he was the obviously terrible player in that second half. I don't think Anthony played very well. I think Luke Shaw was like, I mean, to be fair, Luke Shaw, he's, he's probably exposed by by not getting support from the wide forwards. But yeah, Anthony, you can sort of say, well, he's you know he's a kid. He'll he'll learn. When your captain's behaving like that, I think that's that's a big problem. Um, yeah, I know there's different ways to be a captain. Um, but that sort of petulant getting in the referee's face and moaning at your teammates, yeah, that that little shove on the linesman, I, yeah, I think he could easily have, have been sent off even for that. Um, so, yeah, I I, I I wouldn't have thought that's that's great leadership. He is that type of player. I mean, you know, he, we know he's a sort of he's a moaner. Um, I don't think that's necessarily a problem, but I, I think it can become a problem if you're two or three nil down and you just need somebody to calm up be down and say, you know, let's get out of this without being humiliating. Manchester United today have told BBC Sport that he didn't request to be substituted at the end of the game. Instead, uh, Fernandez was seeking clarification on his positioning after uh, Alanga replaced Rashford. Uh, Bruno Fernandez could not care less about his positioning at 7-0. There is no more chance of that happening, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, I, I guess it's it's good that the club are protecting him. Yeah, because that looks really bad. The, you know, I can't be bothered with this. I don't want to play anymore. Is a is a pretty bad look, uh, especially in a captain. Somebody's meant to be the leader. But I, I, you know, I, I think that that's a that's an issue of character and personality and temperament, and I think it's something that Manchester United probably hoped they'd they'd moved on from. Yeah, that they they had that streak of petulance in them at times before. Um, and I, I, I think this is probably two things have led to that. So one of them is, I think they went into the League Cup final, knowing that Newcastle have this reputation now as being spoilers so that they waste time at you know second lowest ball in play percentage in in the Premier League, and that they you know, like to pressure referees, they like to to annoy the opponent, and they seem to to really revel in that. And I think United have got themselves psyched up that they were they were going to do that more. And so yeah, the League Cup final essentially became angry men shouting at each other in Portuguese. And most of the game was just that. And I, I wonder if it was a bit of a hangover from that. Um, but that, I think, probably... I mean, it's not, it's not, the, it's not the worst thing in a away game against a, a big side. However, given the the relative form of United and, you know, and, and, and Liverpool's form, you would say this was an opportunity for United really to to have a go at Liverpool and see if the the vulnerabilities that Real Madrid exposed, if they could also expose them by by really getting at them. And I think that 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 mentality, that spoiling time mentality, just prevented them from doing that. I also think that tactical shape 
prevented them from doing that. That I, I, I would have. I mean, I spent the whole first half trying to work out what was going on. That I, I know. I, I get playing Vegas as a ten is a specific tactic to to help with the press. Um, I know it's worked, so I, I'm not necessarily criticizing that. But then that meant Rashford playing through the middle, and I, I guess the idea is that that somehow Vegas draws out, um, but Van Dijk or Canate. And, and that Rashford can can accelerate into that space, but I, I would have thought, you know, Rashford in the form he's in, and his pace getting behind Alexander Arnold, I'd have thought that was a really obvious thing to do. And Bruno Fernandes drifting in from that, <coughs> sorry, excuse me, Bruno Fernandes drifting in from that left side, never really threatened to get behind Alexander Arnold, which meant Alexander Arnold could could be the creative force, could be the playmaking force that that, that he is at his best. I mean, and I, I, you know, his. His fallibilities, his vulnerabilities weren't weren't tested, and equally on the other side, yeah, Robertson could come forward unmolested. Uh, yeah, Anthony never really threatened to check him, so I yeah, I I felt the the the, the configuration at front four just allowed Liverpool's fullbacks to to control the game, which is what they haven't been doing this season. So yeah. maybe that also led to the frustration and the petulance. Well, it, that was a really bad day at the office for Ten Hag. Our half hour preview here in the show yesterday head of commentary and, and I dare say on Sky as well uh, and, and any other outlet that was previewing the game I mean one of the biggest questions for Liverpool was you just could not see a way in which Rashford would not have a lot of joy down Trent Alexander-Arnold's channel it was impossible to see Alexander-Arnold getting through the, the 90 minutes unscathed so that like that uh, who knows what the logic on, on Ten Hag's part was it could be well what you said uh, Neville on commentary felt well they want a running thread in behind through the middle uh, regardless I don't know that's strange that's one of the few missteps Ten Hag has made tactically yeah it is I mean um, and he's made so few I'm sort of hesitant to call it a misstep I I, I sort of feel the flaws on my side for not understanding it but um, the, the thing I really don't understand is okay maybe maybe the thinking is this is the obvious thing to do so we won't do that and that yeah. will Mess with them, oh, but now, now, now you're hanging out with Pep Guardiola, listening to classical music for eighteen hours. <laughs> yeah, but but and the, the point is, after fifteen or twenty minutes, just just go to the obvious thing. Yeah. If, if the clever thing hasn't worked, just do the thing you, you you've been doing before. And it, the fact he didn't even change it at half time. I mean, I, I assume second half you'd see Vekos playing as a number nine, and 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 Bruno Fernandes as the ten, and Anthony on the right, and Rashford on the left. But no, they're the same at the start of the second half. So, so that's what I really. I'm not, I'm not going to criticise somebody for trying something. Yes, I think it's it's not reacting when that hasn't worked is is what's puzzling. Well, that's very fair. Uh, so, final thoughts. The the really interesting questions on both fronts is what we've seen from both sides indicative of what's to come. Are Liverpool now really starting to turn a corner? And with Manchester United, that that fragility, that tendency to turn a bad day into a historically awful day, which characterised this team for much of the last couple of years, is that still lurking? Uh, I mean, it is still lurking. I, I still think the, the the trajectory with United is is basically upwards. That pretty much whatever happens between now and the end of the season, this has been a, a hugely positive season for them. They, you know, they've won the first tournament in you know first cup in in six years. They're in the quarterfinal of the FA Cup, and it's a it's not the strongest last eight. So you, you'd think of yeah, they and City are the, the obvious favourites to win that. Um, Having beaten Barcelona in the Europa League, that in itself is a big result. But yeah, they, they they have to fancy their chances of of uh, of winning that as well. 
So, you know, if they end up with, I mean, even if they don't win another cup, they, they have won one, but they could easily end up with two or three. If they can finish top four as well, and they, they probably should do that, then I, I think you'd say it's been an excellent season. Um, but, you know, these things don't get turned around overnight. And, and that was a a, a, you know, a reminder of, of, of the problems they've had. And maybe Tanaka can use it as he used the Brentford game as a, right, let's go back to basics. Let's wake ourselves up. Let's not get carried away. And let's go back to what we were doing. Mm. For Liverpool, you know, I really hope it is a sign of of, of a, a new team coming. I, I think it's uh, it's one of the, I think one of the hardest things in football is for a manager to take apart a side that's been successful and build a new one. Uh, it very it very rarely happens. I mean, managers are very rarely at clubs for long enough to do it. And the tendency is always in that transitional phase when results aren't good that the manager gets gets kicked out. I, I yeah, I'd, I'd love Klopp to be there for another seven years or, or yeah, seven years beyond that. And I'd like to see second and third generations of his great teams. Um, just fundamentally, I think the more good teams in the Premier League, the the better. So, if, if this one three is a sign of a team it could probably challenge next season with probably one or maybe two more midfielders, then then great. And if United are also challenging, that's that's also great. Jonathan, that was super. Thanks so much. Cheers, thank you. Jonathan Wilson with us there on the line. Uh, football and off the ball is brought to you by Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. Uh, football show is on the way after nine. Pat Nevin is going to join us to chat about that game and the weekend at large.